Man, Sammy's one of my favorite people. Here's the deal. Have you guys ever wondered what the, what the vineyard used to be like? How many of you have just been to, started coming to the vineyard in the last three years? I mean, like, yeah, see, here's the deal. You don't even know what the vineyard's really like, okay? If you want to know what the vineyard used to be like, it's like this morning. And there's why. Because we had two acoustic guitars for worship. This is what the vineyard used to be like. <clears throat> and it was not nearly as loud as it normally is around here. And we had Samuel. That's what vineyard used to be like. But here's the very cool part. I'm actually not preaching this morning. One of, one of my other very favorite people in the whole world, Eric Hurchin, is preaching this morning. And Eric, he's one of the founding members of the vineyard. Y'all give Eric a hand. Like, if you want to know why the vineyard is the way it is, it's because Eric Hurchin was a part of the vineyard. Like, his fingerprints and the residue of the Hurchins, it's still here. It's everywhere. Like, those paintings over there, that's Eric Hurchin. You know, those banners, that's Eric Kirchin. But it's, it's, it's actually more than just the aesthetic. It's in the fabric of who we are. And uh, we just, we wouldn't even come close to being this church without people like Eric and Amanda, Sammy and Tiffany. And so this is, uh, this is classic gold Sunday. I, I, it's classic gold, baby. I mean, in, in a little while, we're going we're gonna to play Tammy Wynette. But, uh, but honestly... Uh, Eric is one of my favorite people. He's also my brother-in-law. And uh, just so you know, he's incredibly anointed, and he's got a word from the Lord for us. And here's what I want you to do, church, because I believe this is, this is the way that we should receive people. This is what the Lord said. The Lord said something very strange in the, in, in the Gospels. He said this. He says, if you receive a wise man, you receive a wise man's reward. He says, but if you receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Here's what the Lord's saying in that. He's saying you actually determine what you receive by how you receive the person. So here's the deal. If we receive Eric just as Brother Eric, who we've all known, and we can barely believe that he's here, then we'll receive very little. But if we, if we, if we extend grace and we receive Eric as somebody who's anointed by God with a message for us, we'll receive more than a wise man's reward. Amen? Eric, turn it loose. It's all, all right. yours, baby. Um... You may not know it, but uh, one of my personal heroes from high school is here. There's a guy sitting in the back. His name is Brett. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I thought that you were probably the coolest person in Campbellsville. <laughs> you probably don't know that, <laughs> but I did. He was probably one of the, one of the better skateboarders in town. <clears throat> so that's, that's, a little, that's a little daunting for me. All right, how you guys doing? Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Eric Hurchin, and uh, I am an artist and an art director, a graphic designer uh, by trade and by passion. Um, those are the things that I love to do more than anything else in the world um, as far as vocation. I um, also like climbing mountains, drinking good wine, hanging out my, with my wife, um, hanging out with the friends. Uh, so now that you know a little bit about me, um, let's talk about what I'm going to talk about today, which is making a plan for 2010. Oh, wait, hold on. Let's see. Let's back up a little bit if we can do that. There we go. Planning for good. Yes. Big dreams and little choices. All right. It's almost the new year. It's almost 2010, right? Which is crazy. It's a new decade. And one of my favorite things, I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things in the new year is making, you know, new plans. How many of you guys at least on some level, still kind of get into New Year's resolutions, just out of curiosity. All right, some of us. How many of you guys gave up a long time ago trying to change yourselves around the New Year? All right. <laughs> it's fair enough. <laughs> I, get, I, get, I got you. I got you. All right. Well, I personally am one of those guys that happens to love the New Year kind of thing because I like it because you kind of get to start over. You know what I'm saying? Like, by the end of the year, you kind of ground down. It's been a long year. You're thinking about everything that went on. Man, this was a tough year. You know, a lot of stuff happened. But now it's the new year, and I can make some new plans, and I can be, do new things. I can exercise more. I can look better. You know, we can take that trip to the Tahiti, you know, whatever it is that we wanted to do. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun. So what I wanted to talk about is planning for this year. And um, last week... It's so cool. Um, me and my wife, Amanda, we live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we still listen to um, Vineyard podcasts pretty much every week. So I actually know what's been going on here the last eight weeks in a row. I, I listen to every one of the, the Good Life series. 
um, at work while I'm, you know, tooling around with the, the mouse. Um, and last week, uh, Adam talked about foundations. And then Richard Fogler quipped, and I know this. It's ridiculous that I know this. Richard Fogler made a joke, uh, or not a joke. He actually said, uh, Adam asked a question from, from the stage, you know, what do we need to do to, to start things? And he said, well, we need to make a plan. And then Adam kind of laughed because really Adam wanted to talk about foundations. So what I want to talk about is plans. So I want to back up a little bit from, from last week. Um, I want to talk about pressing Control-Alt-Delete and trying new things. I want to talk about dreaming big but making little choices. Seems like the majority of us, and myself included, seem to do this instead. We dream small and we try to make big choices. You know what I'm saying? Like, most of us in life dream too small and try to make our choices too big. But I'm saying that we need to do something more like this. We need to dream huge, but then make little choices towards that goal. Because really, the things that we can control in life are unfortunately very few. Um, How many of you guys got to choose who you're born to? Just a show of hands. Anybody? All right, nobody. (laughs) Did anybody get to choose what they look like? Nope. Did any? Oh, well, Peter did. He is a genetic anomaly. Um, (laughs) Did anybody get to choose what country, what time period you were born into, your facilities in life, you know, your skin tone? No, none of us got to choose those things, right? Probably 90%, 90.9% of our lives are pre-chosen for us, pre-loaded, right? So what the decisions we get to make are actually pretty small. But here's what's great. Just like a battleship is moved by a very small rudder, this, this thing that we've inherited from our parents, from our culture, all this stuff, when we're changed, we're changed by little things. And we're changed by incremental choices. And, and we're not changed in the moment. Typically, we're changed in times like these when we make a conscious decision to do something new. So it's the little choices that, contr- that, that, really, that, that really affect you. Um, concerning living out the gospel and concerning this kind of thing, Jesus said this. Um, He said, uh, from Luke 14 to 28, he began to talk about, uh, let's see here, connecting. All right. Uh, In Luke 14 to 28, he said this, is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. All right, so what Jesus is saying here is be intentional about the things that you want to do, right? So when you do something, don't just say, I'm going to try a new exercise routine. You have to be very specific about what you're going to do. You say, I want to get in shape this year, and I'm going to do something that's sustainable. And what I'm going to do that's sustainable is I know that there's two days a week that I can actually do this. Now, I've failed at this about 50 times, and I suck at exercising a man of notes. But I'm just using this as an example. Um, but you say, okay, I know that Tuesdays and Thursdays work for me. I need to get up early, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to maintain this. I'm going to start this. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make plans to make sure that I carry this through for a certain amount of time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, in the same way, the gospel, we have to be intentional about accomplishing good things in our life. We don't, we honestly, none of us, we may be saved by making the choice to work with the Lord, but we won't live that amazing life, that empowered life, the good life, if we don't continually make choices. If this sounds a little bit like work salvation, um, it's not. Uh, what God did on the cross was it was enough. But what we're talking about here is working with God to see him bless us in our lives and turn us into something completely new and something completely different right now. To begin with heaven here on earth, kingdom come, uh, to co-labor with Christ. Um, so, um, 
concerning the working with God and concerning the planning, what we want to do in 2010 is think about some things that we can do specifically to plan for good in our lives and to, plan, and to, and to dream big and to make little choices. So what we want to do is we want to make a plan. And I gave you this kind of ridiculous little three-step deal. I actually hate three-step deals, and I hate this kind of thing, but it kind of works. Um, but there's three things that I think that we can talk about. We can talk about, one, planning for yourself, planning for ourselves. Number two, making a plan for others. How can we bless others? How can we be good? And number three, planning for eternity. How can we do things that won't just happen today, but will happen for a long period of time. It will have reverberations in eternity. So what could we do? Who could we be? Where could we go? All of this stuff. All right, so let's start with planning for yourself. And when I say planning for yourself, what I really mean is making plans to do things that will change us from the inside out. And uh, I've got a quote here from Psalm 24 where it says, May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. We will shout for joy when you are victorious. All right, it's really cool that um, Adam interviewed Sammy today because he was basically talking about the desires of his heart, right? He was asking that question like, you know, did God kind of give you this to do or, you know, how did this work? And Sammy said, well, you know, I chose it. This is what I felt like worked the best for me with me. And I'm going to co-work this plan with the Lord to see it to, see it, uh, to its finish, Right? This was the desire of Sam's heart. And all of us have desires. All of us have passions. All of us have things. Remember that thing that I just said before. How many of you guys actually chose who you were born to, where you were born? None of us did that, right? But a lot of us were actually born into specific social contexts, specific family contexts, specific cultural contexts that form our desires. And that's a good thing. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's what God planned for, okay? He knew when, when I was born, uh, or, you know, when I, when I was coming out, that I was going to be born to John and Pam Hurchin in Louisville, Kentucky, and then I would be born when I was and how I was and to what circumstances. And that would inform the desires of my heart. All of those things, right? The, the genetics of being uh, John and Pam's uh, son and also the surrounding of being born in Louisville, Kentucky. And then, you know, growing up here and all that stuff. Okay, so that forms the desires of my heart. So he, he actually gives me the desires of my heart. So then, out of that, we begin to work it, right? Unfortunately, most of us don't live out of our hearts. And it's kind of a sad thing because uh, I feel like that's not really what God's plan for us. I feel like his, his plan for us is really... Now, does that mean, you know, everybody's going to be a rock star, an NBA power player? Sam shaking his head yes. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about living a quality of life where you are living out of a passionate um, interplay with God, yourself, the people around you. Does that make sense? And the passions that you have. You know what I'm saying? Some people are very passionate about uh, numbers. I actually have friends. I don't get it because I'm an artist. But I have friends, I'm serious, that love numbers, love uh you know, playing around with numbers. I, uh, I do web design some, and I work with web programmers, uh, back-end programmers mostly, and these guys love messing around with code. I don't necessarily understand it, but I'm so glad that there are people passionate about messing around with computer code because we work together. I make it look good, and they make it work. Um, <clears throat> so here's the deal. All of us have these desires, and God wants these things for us. He wants to give these to us. And when he gives it to us, we'll all shout for joy when you're victorious. Which is, here's a, just a little sidebar thing. I don't want to go on a rabbit trail too quickly, but um, I really love how this plural pronoun here is used, we. Um, I, I like how what they're saying here is when one of us is, is successful, all of us is successful. And where we should be excited for one another. So when Sammy goes off to Kansas City, he becomes a doctor. Hopefully he makes tons and tons of money. I should be excited when his plans are successful. When he's victorious at the thing that he's planned to do. 
And that's one of the sweet things about community and one of the sweet things about the kingdom is that we're all on the same team and that we all should be pulling for each other. So I, I, I love this. All right, right here I've get, given you a boring list for you to write down. All right, with three boring points. A, evaluation. B, prayer. C, application. Great, isn't it? You can marvel in its beauty and its, its boringness. <clears throat> All right. So, okay, we've got a plan for ourselves. So what we want to do is we want to think about what, is that, what are some of those desires of my heart. And don't, you know, some of us want to do like everything. But, you know, if you can, whittle it down to like those couple things that you know that you really want to run for. In 2010, think about what are the, the, the couple things that I really want to try, what, what, I, what I really want to accomplish, and then begin the process of evaluation. Okay? Once you're finished with the process of evaluation, and evaluation takes honesty, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about here, then you need to commit it to prayer. In other words, is this, is this where I need to go, Lord? And then also... Bless this. And then the third is application. This is very important. Okay, so you've got dreaming. Then you've got evaluation, prayer, and application. I feel like, do you have to do it in these steps? No. I'm just giving this to you because I think it's a kind of a, uh, it gets you thinking in kind of a nice direction. Okay, let me give you an example from my life, just because I know myself. Um, I was teaching English about um, five years ago. No, it was more than that. Um, I guess now it's been about seven or eight years ago. I was teaching English in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was a good English te- I was a pretty good English teacher. My kids liked me. I, I liked what I did. Uh, I made not enough money to support one person, let alone two. Um, but I, I remember sitting there, and even though as much as I love literature, as much as I like teaching, I really love art. Okay? So if, if English teaching is a secondary desire of my heart, my primary desire would be uh, art, you know, graphics, that kind of thing. So I was sitting there, you know, one day. I'm like, man, this is cool, but this is not the best. This isn't living out of my heart. So I'm like, man, Lord, I want to be an artist, you know? And I remember sitting there on, it was actually kind of a December 28th, 29th, and I was actually here in Campbellsville. uh, And I remember being kind of invited by the Lord to dream with him. And so I began to evaluate, okay, I'm going to be really honest with myself. Am I an artist right now? Kind of, but you're not, like, you know, vocationally you're not an artist. I am an English teacher, and I actually quit right in the middle of an art major and got an English major. So, like, I don't have, you know, I'm not working with a ton of stuff here. Um, So I was able to, like, (laughs) I was able to, like, truthfully evaluate where am I? And this is really important. When When you begin to look at, you know, what are my plans, you really have to be brutally honest. Where am I right now? Um, So I did that. Where am I right now? And what do I need to do to become an artist? Uh, what do I need to do to become a graphic designer? So what I began to do was study because I felt like, okay, I need, well, I did two things. I, I studied, and then I, um, I began to really pu- try to push and, and get into galleries with the, the art that I did have. Um, but before I did that, I committed it to prayer. I said, God, I really want to be an artist. I'm an English teacher right now. Would you please help me? Because here's the thing is, I can do all this stuff in my own strength, but who would want to when you can actually work with God on this kind, of th- this kind of thing? And man, when God starts putting power behind something, really amazing things begin to happen, okay? So here's my own strength. My own strength is I start really studying. I study how to build websites. I study all the, the, the old masters. I study, you know, all the art that I love, all that stuff, Right? But then God starts breathing on the things that I'm doing because I'm working with him, right? So this is ridiculous, but some kind of crazy old painter dude from Paris moves to Charlotte, North Carolina to my church. He's a weird guy with his wife. His name is Andrei Prychodko. Polish, Russian, Canadian, French, immigrant to Sweden... And he lives in a warehouse in France. I don't know. He's a weird guy. They were crazy. And then, well, and then Andre had this, like, kind of, like, master sensei kind of thing going. He'd be like, Eric, Eric, look into my eyes, Eric. And he would, like, stare into my soul. 
And then he'd be like, you are doing it all wrong. You are an awful, awful painter. Eric, look at me. You are not looking at me in the eyes. Well, of course not, because you're like basically telling me that, you know, ridiculous. But it's okay. You're young. Um, so anyway, so this, I meet this guy, and, he's, and he likes me. And he starts taking me under his wing, and he slaps everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm doing wrong and reteaches me. This guy, um, this won't mean anything to you, but he was best friends with this gallery owner by the name of Paul Facchetti in Paris. Paul Facchetti was a photographer and a gallery owner. Um, I don't know if you guys know who this guy is, but Jackson Pollock is one of the great 20th century artists. He did the drip paintings, you know, the ones that everybody goes, ah, I could do that. Okay, but it was <laughs> huge. Like, for those of us in the art scene, that's, like, very cool. Anyway, so Paul Facchetti was the guy, I'm talking the guy, who brought Jackson Pollock to Europe, okay? Like, Jackson Pollock wouldn't have been in Europe if it wasn't for Paul Facchetti, okay? And this is Andre Prachadko's, like, best friend and gallery owner, and this is the guy who's championed Andre forever. I'm way out of my league. I should never, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, like, uh, old graffiti artist, never finished my art degree. I don't even know the language, you know? And he's going, like, Eric, when you hold a pen, it looks like a lumbering buffalo. <laughs> you should be a fencer, Eric. Eric, you're not looking in my eyes again. So, it was what it was. Um, no, but it was really good. How in the world would I have ever met somebody like that other than the grace of God, right? Okay, so here's the deal. Is I, I, I did my own strength stuff, right? I didn't wait for an Andre Prachadko to flow in on the breeze on a cloud and go, Eric, come here. I will pick you up and move you and breathe into you myself. Oh, thank you. No, I didn't wait for that stuff. I started on my own. I began, I, I, I stepped out in faith. And that's what you do. So it's this kind of like, do you see what I'm saying? When you're, when you're doing these plans, you're both dreaming, but you're making these little choices, right? So what I did was I began to get into really small, crafty galleries where the majority of the people, you know, are making like, uh, like paper mache giraffes and stuff. You know, I mean, it's just, it's not that sexy. It's, you know, it's, it's what it is what it is. But at the same time, God began to breathe on it. And I met this great, amazing artist, and I'm, you know, and then crazy stuff, uh, like a friend of mine calls up and says, hey, we have this job for this kind of like, you know, you need to be like kind of like half editor, half graphic designer, you know, would you be interested? Like, yeah. <laughs> and you make a little bit more than you make now? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, praise the Lord. So that's why you need this prayer thing. You need to partner with God. So A, you evaluate, where am I? What am I doing? What do I want to do? Commit it to prayer, and then you apply it. And as you apply it, God works with you, okay? So that's what, for you guys, and I'm sure that a lot of you are already doing this stuff, but think about the desires of your heart. Pray through these things, and then begin to apply them. And think about small things that you can do, just specific things that you can do to, 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 move, the desires of your, to move toward the desires of your heart. All right, um, and this is really important. I can't stress enough these small choices, okay? For example, uh, Adam talked about um, anger uh, uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, and I thought it was really good when it touched me because um, who of us here hasn't struggled with, you know, being upset at their boss, being upset at their good friends, being upset at their spouse, right? I mean, all those things, you know, when we get bitter, we harbor those things. Ray, Dr. Ray actually um, uh, never struggled with that, and um, he was a chiropractor since birth. Uh, and he sprung fully formed from the head of, a th of Zeus. <laughs> with a gun <laughs> and a turkey call. Uh-huh. Um, so, but here's the thing, is this is what I began to realize over the last five or six years. You don't get rid of anger by saying, I'm going to get rid of anger. 
It's going to happen today. The way that you get rid of anger is not in the times when it's happening, okay? Like, look, when my boss is, eh, let's not talk about that. Um, when someone is doing something to you that is really upsetting to you, and it's not right, okay? And that moment is not the time that you learn how to not be an angry person or you learn how to not respond with anger or you learn how to not be bitter. That's not the moment. The moment that you learn how to not be angry and the, the moment that you learn how to not be bitter and the moment that you learn how to be a great artist is in the small moments by yourself in the early morning, in the late evening, during lunch when you're, when you're, when you're on your own and you're making these little choices you know, these little choices to say, you know what, I'm going to forgive that person. You know what, I'm not going to be angry about that. You know what, they did cross me, but I'm going to forgive. Even when you're not in that situation. Um, the same thing with, with art. You know, the moment for me to become a great artist is not the moment when I have two gallery shows coming up. The moment for me to become a great artist is when I have no gallery shows. And I have to really work it. And I have to continue looking at good art. And I have to continue to do the things that need to happen. Same things, you know, with all, with, with all of the kingdom. I, I really feel like it's, it's very much this way. All right, so moving on to planning for others. This is one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things about Christmas, by the way, is that we get to give. And, and I've grown into this. Luckily, I have a really cool wife who loves to give stuff. And I was not like this when I got married, was I? No, I sucked at it. Um, I was very, like... Why, this is dumb. Why don't we just like, you know, I'll get something for myself and you get something for yourself and then we'll be happy, you know? Like, that's awesome, right? But what I've realized over the years is how rewarding it is to think about someone and then buy them something that they hopefully really will enjoy and to put the time and the thought into giving, right? So I really love that. And when I'm talking about planning for others, I'm talking about making plans to bless the community of people around you. Not the people that you necessarily love easily, but the people right around you, okay? Um, uh, this is uh, from John thirteen fourteen. This quote is from John thirteen fourteen. It's got Jesus here, and um, it's the night before his death, and he's, um, uh, he's washing the, the disciples' feet. And... and Peter's really, well, they're all kind of surprised by it. But Peter, one of his, his you know, his, his closest friends, is kind of freaking out. Like, oh, my goodness, no, you can't, you know. He realizes that Jesus is an amazing guy. He's like, you can't do this. And then Jesus says to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You address me as teacher and master, and rightly so. This is what I am. So if I, the master and teacher, washed your feet, you must now watch each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. Okay, so let me tell you this. If we go for the desires of our heart, right, and plan for ourselves, but miss planning for others, I really feel like we've missed a major piece of the kingdom of heaven. One of the major pieces of the kingdom of heaven, okay? So, so if, if we think about Jesus' life, he had a ministry and a mission, right? He had a desire of his heart, and, and, and it involved blessing many people. But one of the things that he did was he really did plan for others. He planned to bless the people around him, the people closest to him. And man, his group was a weird group. Have you guys ever thought about this? I'm sure most of you have. But think about how diverse his group of disciples were, his group of friends. I mean, you've got um, a tax collector on his disciple team, okay? Now, if for, those, for the few of you who don't maybe get what's going on here is Rome was over Jerusalem, right? or Israel, right? Like the empire Rome was over Jerusalem. All right, and if you were a tax collector, you collected taxes for Rome, exactly. But probably, since you lived in Israel, you were what nationality? Jewish. And since you were Jesus' disciples, you would be Jewish as well. So... You were Jewish collecting taxes for Rome. Okay, so you probably looked a little bit like the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
You were, you know what I'm saying? Like you were nationally Jewish, but you're collecting taxes for the, for the oppressor. You know, probably, um, you know, kind of like a what's in it for me type guy. And then you had a zealot on the team, right? So can you imagine these guys in the back room? Like, so the, the zealot, these are the guys who are the freedom fighters, okay? A zealot is the guy who's sitting there going, we have to rid Israel of this Roman rule, okay? So you've got the guy who's working, making money off of the Romans, and taking taxes for all the guys. Then you've got the guy over here who's the freedom fighter for getting rid of Rome, right? Can you imagine what, like, some of the conversations might have been about? But they were both on the same team. And, I mean, like, you know, you've got fishermen. I mean, you've got... Uh, You've got smart guys hanging out. You've got fisher, blue-collar guys hanging out. You know, you've got Thomas, who's probably like, hmm, the whole time, you know. And then Peter's just like, man, Jesus, whatever you do, man, I'm going. <laughs> you know, and Thomas is like, well, Jesus, let me think about that. Um, you know what I'm saying? And then you've got John, who's probably a teenager. So you had a real diverse group of people, and Jesus loved them all. And we have a real diverse, whether or not it, we, it's, it looks culturally diverse, the people around us are always a very diverse group of people. If we really let them be who, who, who they are, they're always a really diverse group of people. You've got A personalities, you've got B personalities. You have shy people, you have outgoing people. You have um, easily angered people, you've got re- people who, who are become doormats, right? In your group of friends, in your family, these are all there. And the Lord wants us to bless all of them. Um, and then there's some, of course, that you need to, to really to focus on. Okay, so in 2010, I think I believe at this point enough, let's plan for others. All right, I thought you said this guy was creative. So look at, it looks like we've got the same thing that I did before again. So we've got evaluation, prayer, and application. Um, so let's think about how to bless those around us. Let's be really practical, you know, both in a spiritual sense, but also in just a real normal sense. So in the beginning of 2010, what can you do to bless the people closest to you, like your spouse, your family, your, your very close friends, and then the people maybe who might be on the fringes, right? The people that you work with every day, but maybe you don't have a great relationship with. Maybe the people that you snub at the gas station. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about the people that you can bless this year. Um, and, and let me just be honest with you. Jesus says, bless those who curse you, right? And that's a kind of a hard word. But can I be honest with you? How, much, how many of us really bless those who don't even curse us? You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of us really, and I'm including myself, how many of us go through our days and the people around us, we don't even bless those people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I work in an office, okay? And there's a lot of people here. Now, obviously, I'm one person. I don't want to get, I don't want to put something on myself that's ridiculous. You know, I, in a day, there's only so many people I can affect. But if I'm honest with myself, there are whole weeks that go by where I really am just focused on getting the job done. Does that make sense? Does anybody feel like that ever happens to them? There's just whole weeks that go by. You just get the job done. There's not much blessing coming out. And I realize that there's seasons, there's stuff, you know, stuff comes up, deadlines, it's insane, right? But are there whole weeks, whole months go by where we don't actively do things for each other that are blessings, that are unlooked for blessings? You know what I'm saying? I do it. All right, so... um, the first thing that we do is we evaluate who is my community, right? Jesus had 12 disciples. Let's be honest about how the, the reach of what we can do, right? Jesus was honest. Even though he was ministering to crowds, he had just 12 main disciples. Because realistically, there probably in, at any given time, you have 12 people that you can really have an intimate, real relationship with. Does that make sense? Like, and it's kind of a scientific thing as well. Um, they've actually studied this. Um, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, um, uh, oh, not Blink, the one before that. Uh, out, uh, no, no, no. Tipping Point, thank you. Uh, in Tipping Point, he talks about this actually being a sociological truth. 
the, the kind of the rule of 12s. You're able to effectively, you know, kind of touch 12 people at any given moment. You can touch more, but you know what I'm saying, like a, a human touch. Um, so think about that community of people. Who are those people, right? And then how can I begin to bless them? And then, and then think about the people that are, that are on the pale of that group. And, and how can I, does it have to be every day? No. Does it have to be once a week? No. But how can I begin to plan to bless those people? All right. Um, so the next thing that we do is we evaluate. All right. What have I been doing? Ha- have I already been blessing? What can I do to add to that thing? You know, what can, uh, you know, think about your spouse. Like, is there something that I can do in 2010 that will bless them? What do they love? What is it that they love? How can I bless them? Um, I hate to use myself as, a, as an example, but this is the only thing I can think of. I've told my wife about it, so it's not a surprise. There was a period of time there where I was really trying to become less selfish, and she can tell you I'm still ridiculously selfish. Um, but one of the things that I would do is I would, do the, I would uh, fold the clothes while she was at work. And already some of the women are going like, oh, that is so sweet. But let me tell you right now that, like, I would fold the clothes, but I would fold mine first. Does that make sense? Like, I would, and I, I would do it. I did, I folded the clothes for years until I realized, like, I'm folding my clothes first. And I realized there's something, a condition about my heart that caused me to fold my clothes first, take care of my clothes first, and then, you know, I'd go through the process, the ridiculous process of trying to figure out where her clothes go. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, <laughs> she's got this, like, you know, like, I, you know, she'll be looking for something like, where did you put this? Like, isn't it obvious? And I'm like, <laughs> there's a, you know, I don't know. And Amanda's going, you're ridiculous. You should be able to figure this out. Anyway, long story short, I, um, I realized that I was folding her clothes first. Now, is this, if I'm folding the clothes and putting them away, isn't that good enough? Sure. So am I splitting hairs? But here's the thing, is the Lord kind of opened up to me one day that there's, this was a certain quality of my heart, a heart condition that I had, that I always took care of myself first. Okay, so one of the things that I did, you want to talk about the little tiny choices that you can make. I said, Lord, okay, I don't know that I can control a lot of these big things, but one thing I can control is I'm going to start folding her clothes first and putting them away, and then I'll take care of mine. And you know what? I'm not saying that I'm amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but I can tell that in 2009 that my heart did begin to soften and change in small ways. Does that make sense? And I think, that, I think that if you plan to do those kind of little things throughout the year, I really think at the end of t- 2010, you will see changes and you will be a different person. All right, so you evaluate. What am I doing now? You pray, Lord, help me bless these people. Help me bless those who curse me. Help me bless those who don't curse me or are closest to me. Help me bless the people on the pale. And then we apply it. Okay, does that make sense? All right. All right, uh, one last thing that I want to say about this. Now, some of you guys are thinking right now, like, man, I don't have much of a community. In fact, I don't have many friends, and I'm lonely. Um, I've, I think that I've been there before. I think all of us have, have, have felt lonely. Some of us even feel lonely when we're among friends. Um, but let me tell you, if you feel that way, the best thing that you can possibly do is to be a friend to step out first, okay? The best thing that you can do to align yourself with the kingdom of heaven and, and, and God and, and the love that God has for us is be a friend first, okay? So if you find yourself without friends, if you find yourself without community, begin to move into, uh, evaluate, okay, well, who, who are closest to me somehow? And let me find ways to bless them. Okay, does that make sense? All right. And then finally, planning for eternity. All right. One of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible, Proverbs 3.10. Uh, well, the whole Proverbs 3 is amazing. But I just wanted to focus on this one part because this t- comes towards the end of the passage. And it's kind of after the Lord has said to do all these things and you're doing all these things and you're, you're, you're working in the kingdom and God's blessing you. And he says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Let me tell you something. Okay, this good life thing that Adam's been talking about for the last eight weeks, right? You got, a lot of you guys have been here. Some of you guys haven't. If you haven't, vineyardcampbellsville.org. Go listen to them. I'm serious. They'll change your life. Um, 
here's the deal. If you begin to enact these things in your life, you will have barns that are filled to overflowing vats that will figuratively brim over with new wine. Okay, does that make sense? You will be blessed. Now, maybe it's not this kind of like, you know, I've got dollar bills falling out of my pocket. I'm driving an Escalade kind of thing. I'm talking about you'll be rich in friends. You'll be rich in family. You'll be just a rich person. Now, does that mean that you'll have, you know, tons of zeros at the, in your bank account? Not necessarily, although I do believe that that happens, and I believe that it happens more commonly than, than we think. But um, if you do these things, if you plan for other pe- your good and other people's good as well, over a long period of time, you will have abundance, okay? And it will be abundance compared to where you are right now. Okay, I, I, Amanda and I have definitely seen this in our own lives. I've seen it in friends' lives over and over again. My good friend, John Mark McMillan, um, who's not here, I can talk about him, is, um, I, you guys know who he is. He's been here a couple times. He's a musician. He probably is one of the most giving people I've ever met in my life. And, and you'd never know about it. He doesn't talk about it. He doesn't really, uh, he doesn't broadcast it. But he plans to bless people all the time. And you would be surprised by the people that he blesses. I mean, talking about giving people amplifiers, nice amplifiers, out of the blue. Giving people, you know, cars. He gave away uh, his last car. Um, Like, he just gives stuff away. Now, that guy is ridiculously successful. And I think some of his success is tied to the fact that he's so generous. Okay? So as we move into the good life, as we move into generosity, we're going to have abundance, okay? So in planning for eternity, what I'm talking about here is if we begin to step out in faith, we are going to have a lot of something, a lot of, a lot of blessing to give in the years to come, whether it's 20, 40, 60 years, okay? Does that, does that make sense? You're going to have a lot to give to somebody, more than you have now. And let me say that again. If you continue in the kingdom, continue partnering with God for, from now on, you will have more to give than you have right now. More to give in finances, more to give in relationships, more to give, okay? You just will. It's just straight up. Prompt, test me. Like seriously, even if some of you guys are a little skeptical, try it for a year and see if at the end of that year you don't have more than you do now, okay? Um, so at the end of 20, 40, 60 years, you will have more. Okay, so... Not only do you need to plan for yourself, plan to bless others, but you need to make plans what you're going to do with that abundance. Because some of the desires of your heart are tied to that as well. Okay? Does that make sense? Some of the desires of your heart are tied to leaving behind a legacy of blessing. In other words, um, I don't know what that looks like for you. But for me, this might possibly look like me becoming a, a more formidable artist than I am now and eventually taking young people under my wing and, and blessing them and teaching them. Does that make sense? Like that might be one of the ways that this looks. You know, if, if someone's, a, if someone's a, a banker and they make tons of money, one of the ways that it might look is by funding missions. And see, that, I don't even like that because that's, that's a, that, let's not talk about that. You know, one of the ways that it might look is by starting businesses like Chick-fil-A that are run by Christians that are really good businesses. Um, me and Adam and uh, Ray Hollenbach were talking about this yesterday, okay? Um, Truett Cathy is the uh, founder of Chick-fil-A. You guys don't have Chick-fil-A here, but how many of you guys are, have been to a Chick-fil-A or maybe seen a Chick-fil-A? Know what it is, okay? These are like the Taj Mahals of fast food, okay? They really are the best. Um, McDonald's has a 400% turnover rate from year to year. That means in one year, they will replace all of the workers in one McDonald's on an average of four times, okay? So that means every three months, they're getting new workers. That's how much people hate working for McDonald's, all right? If you've ever worked for McDonald's, did you work for McDonald's for a little bit? Yeah, was it fun? Okay, all right. Um... Uh, one of my really good friends in high school worked for McDonald's, uh, Mike Daniels, and he, every day he'd come home and we'd talk and he'd just be like spewing venom about McDonald's out of his mouth. Um, so McDonald's replaces its workers 40, 
400% of the time, okay, or 400% in a year, okay? Um, Chick-fil-A has a 40% turnover, which means it has a 60% retention rate, okay? It's not just doing a little bit better than the competition. It's doing a whole lot better than the competition. That means from year to year, 60% of their staff stays, okay? And if you've ever been to a Chick-fil-A, the experience that you get from a Chick-fil-A is that people seem to actually like working there, and they are nice to you. And the quality of food's a little bit better. Now, you pay just a little bit more, but for the most part, the quality of food is way better than the small amount of money that you pay. If you eat inside a Chick-fil-A, they'll even fill up your sweet tea again without you having to ask, okay? And, mo- and, and most of the time, when, they, when, you know, when you ask them for something, they respond, you know? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Truett Cathy was planning for eternity, in my opinion. Because he's, planned, he's made this company that's, that's a blessing to the fast food industry, which is, in my opinion, really cool. Because you're not just, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're taking the stained glass off of it, and we're getting out into the real world where real people are, and this place is a blessing. It's like, you know, in Charlotte, North Carolina, I mean, you don't go to lunch quickly at a Chick-fil-A at 12 o'clock. Because it's like, the place is packed. Um, so by planning for eternity, what I'm saying is guys like this who have become uh, amazingly wealthy by, you know, be, all these good ideas, check this out. When you own a Chick-fil-A, you can only work it in the store 20 hours a week. You actually have to volunteer in the community the other 20 hours. So you want to talk about planning for eternity. Truett Cathy sat down and said, you know what? I want to plan not only to make the best fast food chain I can possibly make, but I also want to bless the communities that we're in. You see what I'm saying? So there's reverberations far beyond just making a good French fry or a good chicken uh, combo. You see what I'm saying? Like, not only are they making a good, the best chicken combo out there, not only are they keeping more of their workers than any other fast food chain, they're also actively blessing the community that is there. So this is what I'm talking about, planning for eternity. And here we go again uh, with our evaluation, our prayer, and our application. I know. It's kind of ridiculous. All right. So where am I? What do I have to give? What kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? How do I want to bless? Then we commit it to prayer, and then we apply it. Now, Now, again, like, if we're talking about 2010, this is a little bit further thinking. This is thinking, this is thinking like long-term. And this is where, in my opinion, you want to dream really big. If you want to dream big for yourself and pretty big for others, you want to dream really, really big when you get to this section, okay? So in other words, when you start evaluating what's going on, you want to think about 20, 40, 60 years. What could I do with 60 years? What could I do with 40 more years of my life? You know what I'm saying? Not, so, so here's where you get a chance to get out of the day-to-day thinking and get into the lifetime thinking, right? The lifetime thinking of, all right, I live in this, this city. Um, let's evaluate, you know, where there's some serious problems. Where would I like to see things change? What would I like to see change in my neighborhood, you know? And then, and then think about, imagine what, it could look like in 20, 40, 60 years with change. Um, and there are good, in, in my opinion, there are good examples um, all around this of this, of this happening. Um, you know, Nelson Mandela is probably the, the first thing that always comes to mind for me. Um, is South Africa is still not um, what I would consider a healthy state yet. But in comparison to where they were 40 years ago, they are leaps and bounds away. And because of a leader like Nelson Mandela, who was willing to take the low road, the humble road, he stayed in prison for years. When he finally got out, when he was elected, the first African-American elected South African president, you know, in the 20th century or whatever, he said, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do the revenge thing for what, the evil that's been done to us. We're going to bless. And so you've got this guy who, his whole life has been this kind of long-term planning for eternity, planning for the good of South Africa over years and years and years, not just now. All right, so there you go. Dream big, make good little choices. All right, so at the close of this, basically I want to just go 
backovers. And, and you know, this is, I'm just inviting you into this kind of thing. As it comes down to the new year, think about how you can plan for yourself. You know, how can you plan to bless others? And how can you plan for eternity? How can you plan to bless over a long period of time? Okay? So um, as we kind of wind this down, let me, I want to pray for you guys, and I want to pray for myself, that we really can kind of catch some of these things. Um, and hey, it's been a while since I've taught. I apologize for any, uh, you know, kind of missed abilities in me to be able to um, uh, clarify a lot of this stuff. When I was teaching a lot, you know, it, it came very quickly, but now obviously I sit in front of a computer and it's not quite so, so uh, concise as it used to be. Um, but as we close, I want to pray for you guys, and I really want you to imagine what life could look like in a year, in five years, in ten years, working with the Lord to accomplish the things that he's put in your heart to do. All right? Well, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for these lives. Thank you for my life. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the vineyard. You've been ridiculously good to us. You've been ridiculously good to us. Mm, Lord, you've been ridiculously good to us. I mean really good to us. God, we think about the things that you've done for us and we really just have no other option than to be grateful. We thank you for that. God, and I pray that you would give us plans, that you would give us big dreams, that you would give us wild dreams, that you would give us wild things to accomplish in our lifetimes. Give us excitement about what our lives could look like. Give us excitement in the small things. Give us excitement in the big things. And God, give us the ability to make little choices to those ends. Lord, give us the ability to drill down and to really find the things that need to change in order for the big things to happen. Lord, and give us a really amazing love for one another. I pray for this community that it would be a community of love and it would be a community of blessing and it would be a community of blessing those who curse us. And then it would be a community who plan to bless the people around us. And Lord, I specifically ask on the vineyard that you would begin to, I know you're already doing this in amazing ways, but I ask that in 2010, Lord, that you would amplify these, these ways that they've already been planning to bless. Lord, but, but it would be almost as if they could, without having to do much, that it could go from one to ten. God, I ask for where, where, where one dollar has been given, ten dollars w- would be given. I ask from where um, one family has been blessed, ten families would be blessed. I pray where um, where one person has been brought back from darkness, that 10 people will be brought back from darkness. I pray that for that where one person has been healed in 2010, that 10 people would be healed. I pray for every person who's been brought to the Lord in 2009, 10 people would be brought to the Lord in 2010. I pray that for every person that has felt any kind of goodness from the vineyard in 2009, that 10 people would be, would feel goodness from the vineyard in 2010. Oh, you're so good, Lord. You're so good. You're so good. And real quickly, um, uh, Adam said that, uh, you know, this is, this is one of my best friends here, over here, your pastor, Adam Russell. And um, I'd just like it if I could take this selfish opportunity for us to pray for him. Is that cool? I mean, I know that you guys already do all the time.
if you'd come up here real quick, Adam, I appreciate this. If you guys would just, um, for the ones that you don't think that, for the, for those of you who don't think this is a little freaky, just kind of put your hands out towards Adam. Hmm. Man, bless this guy. Bless this guy. God, we thank you for Adam. All of us do. We thank you for Adam. We thank you for the joy that he is, the blessing that he is to this church. Man, we just asked for crazy blessing for Adam. In 2010, we asked for crazy blessing on him and Heather, for his whole family. And God, I ask where 2009, where, where there was hardnesses, God, I pray that the, the, the ground would be softened Lord, put that lime in the ground and just soften that lime. And I just pray that, I just pray sweet, good things in 2010, God. I just pray right now, I thank you for for Adam and the things that he did in 2009, but I just pray right now blessings. I pray strength. I pray joy. I pray more joy. I pray even more joy. I pray more joy than that. I pray that he would be overflowing with joy, God. And Lord, just increase his ability as a pastor, increase his abilities as a teacher, increase his abilities as a husband, increase his abilities as a family man and as a friend. God, where there's hardnesses, soften those things. Where the valleys are, are low, raise those up where the mountains are high bring those down and make a path for your for your heart to beat in Adam's heart even more in You got a good guy here. All right, buddy. I'm done. Thanks, Eric. It's awesome. Thank you. Everybody good? Yeah, I feel like the Lord wants to do more. Is that all right? Unless you're just satisfied with a good message. Yeah, why don't we stand up? We're, I feel like the Lord just wants to touch everybody in the room. Oh, man presence just came in the room a little more lord we just want to cooperate with your presence this morning father we just we want we want to catch the wind of your spirit this morning (laughs) if you'll humor me just put your hands out in front of you it's just a way for us to connect our bodies to our hearts and say that we want more father we want to we want to catch the wind of the spirit this morning and so father we ask for more father we want to be a people of more Father, we want to be people who are, who are not simply satisfied with a good meeting. God, we want to be people who are not simply satisfied with hearing decent preaching. God, we want to, hear, we want to be people who are not satisfied with musical excellence. To heck with musical excellence. Father, we ask that you would give us the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's just, there's, for everyone who's willing and, and hungry, there's just anointing available right now. God, I ask that you would blow the wind of your spirit on us right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and, and bring, bring your presence in the room? Father, we are not satisfied with having an intellectual understanding of the scripture. God, we want an experience.
Wow. More. More. We just, God, we ask for more. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's just kind of resting right over here right now. And, and Father, we ask that you would just move across the room. God, I ask that you would bring increase into our lives this morning. God, for every, every place in our heart that is bitter and angry, God, I ask that you would give us release from that this morning and that you would, that you would blow the breath of heaven across us right now. I just keep getting this prophetic picture, and the prophetic picture is of a, of a sail ship with its sails going up, and then the Lord's just putting his, his wind and his breath into it, and it's moving out. And, and really, what I, I really feel like it's just pretty simple. It's just about having a, a willing heart, and a willing heart is like putting your sails up, and, it's, and, and the, for everyone that has a willing heart, the Lord is going to blow on it this year. So, Lord, we ask that, that you would give us your presence and your wind this morning. To the extent that you're able, just make your heart available to him. Yeah, the Lord is just really, yeah. And it has to do with joy. God, we ask for more joy. Some of you may be going like, what's going on in here? This is actually very normal. When the Lord comes around... It gets better. Like, like if you're used to church where it's sad, you're going to be very upset at this church this year, okay? Like, if you're used to church that's quiet, you're going to be very upset. It's going to, it's going to really rub you the wrong way. And so, Lord, we ask that you would amplify that right now. God, we ask that your tangible presence would just rest with us right now. And that the joy of the Holy Spirit would break out. Lord, we want to. We want to. We just want to make a trade with you, God. We want to trade sorrow for joy right now. Here's what we're going to do. I, I don't even know how to do this. All I know is that the Lord wants to trade. He just. He just. I just feel like the Lord just said He wants to trade sorrow for joy. That He's willing to make that trade. Um, I, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it. Okay. So uh, everybody, get a hold of their sorrow, uh, whatever that means. Find it. Resurrect that thing, and then we're going to trade it to the Lord. He's, he's the pawn shop this morning. He's going to take this one in, and he's going to, he's going to restore joy, okay? Uh, anybody in here dealing with significant sorrow and bitterness? If that's you, just put your hand up. I mean, we're going to be honest here. Yeah, everyone, everyone who has their hand up. Father, we ask right now that you would trade sorrow and bitterness for joy. Come on. Some of you feel a little wind blowing on you right now. And I want to tell you, there's not, the air is not on. Something strange started at my house last night. Some of my best friends and I, we got together. It was midnight, and we decided we would cry out to the Lord. And the wind of the Holy Spirit started blowing in my living room. The air was not on, the heat was not on, the doors were not open, and the windows were not open. And it was blowing around my, it was blowing around my couch. You could walk out of the couch area, and it was not blowing. You could walk back into the couch area, and the wind was blowing. I'm feeling that wind again. <laughs> the, wind of the, the wind of the Spirit's right here, right now. I know that sounds really strange to some of us in the room. The Lord's weird. He's, he's, he's really, he's really weird. You realize one time he wanted to get his point across, and so he, he, he talked through a donkey. I mean, you know, come on. So, Lord, we ask for more joy this morning. God, we ask for the wind of the Holy Spirit. Just put your hand on the person next to you, okay? We're going to amplify this thing.
Lord, just, we ask, we're just going to ask to amplify this right now. And it's what we want to pray. We're going to pray out, God, out loud together. God, would you just begin to amplify the pleasure of your spirit to the person next to me? Father, right now, would you amplify the presence and the pleasure of your Holy Spirit in the people around me right now? God, would you, would you give us joy? God, I ask that you would give us joy in every hard and bitter place this morning. God, every place where we have fallen short, every place where we have sunk beneath, God, I ask that you would give us unspeakable joy. The pleasures of knowing God, the pleasures of the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Lord. You guys feel the atmosphere has changed just a little bit? <laughs> yeah, it's just a little down payment. Yeah. Father, I ask that this week that this church would be a people of solution. God, I ask that we would be the innovators and we'd be the solvers. And God, I ask that we would not be the problem. God, I ask that we'd have, we'd have anointing to be solutions for people's problems. God, I ask that you would match us up with problems. God, I ask that when we encounter problems, we wouldn't be frustrated, but we'd say, my God, he sent me here to solve something. That we'd ha- we'd, God, I ask that you'd allow us to live with an awareness that we're your vote and that we're your solution for a screwed up girl, for a screwed up world.